and welcome to episode 163 of the Juice Box Podcast. Today's episode is sponsored by Omnipod and Dexcom. There will be some wonderfully produced and rather entertaining ads for both later in the show, but for now you can go to Dexcom.com forward slash juicebox or myomnipod.com forward slash juicebox for more information. You looking for an insulin pump or a continuous glucose monitor? Just go to the links I just mentioned. There's even links in the notes for this episode and at juiceboxpodcast.com. Today's guest is Kelly Griffin. Kelly has type 1 diabetes and is a professional performer. She sings the opera, which is really cool because I don't know how anybody can do that. Maybe uh, I should try to sing the ads in opera later. Could happen. Anyway, Kelly and I met a long time ago online because she was a performer who felt compelled to hide her type 1, but then after she found the podcast and some community online, she started to feel more open about it. We're going to talk about that today, plus a lot more. It's really uh, an interesting and encompassing episode. Kelly was even nice enough to send over a piece of one of her performances for me to include in the episode. It sort of sounds difficult, but I bet anybody could do it. Watch. Nothing! Okay, I'm not a soprano. Maybe I'm about nothing you hear on the... No, I can't sing. Nothing you hear on the Juice Box podcast should be considered advice, medical, or otherwise. Always consult a physician before being bold with insulin. I promise I will never do that again. Hi, Scott. Kelly, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Excellent. Thank you. Well, this is going to be great. I, I like having uh, the chance to talk to a woman named Kelly who I don't have 25 years of animosity built up with. <laughs> Not yet. <laughs> you think you and I could do it? <laughs> no, this is very exciting for me. I've been a fan of the podcast for a long time. I've been listening and gleaning information and um, it's it's really, really helpful. So I'm glad to be here. It's exciting for me too, because you're one of the few people who ever said to me that you were sort of, I, I've never heard somebody say, hey, I kind of hide that I have diabetes. Um, like, yeah. And that was like, I think our first interaction together, which maybe goes back years now. Right. 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 So I, that would be, uh, to me, we're already recording, so I'll probably just leave all this in. Yeah, no, that's fine. <laughs> um, I listen enough. I know I know what goes on You here. know how it goes. <laughs> <laughs> so just introduce yourself any way you want, and we'll just keep going. Sure. Uh, I'm Kelly Griffin. I uh, live in uh, New York City, and I've been dealing with uh, type 1 diabetes for about 15 years now. And when you say dealing with, you don't mean that you, you don't mean you work at a casino and you, uh, no, you no, deal no. blackjack, right, right? Again, not yet. <laughs> but um, I, I have uh, been living with uh, type one diabetes for fifteen years. I kind of liked it when you said dealing with. If I'm being honest, <laughs> it's pretty accurate. <laughs> I've been putting up with this for a long I've been time. Up with it, you know, it's, yeah, it's, it's a day to day, twenty four seven thing that rides along with me, you know, whatever I do. So yeah. yeah, absolutely. So you live right in the in the city. You're in Yep, I'm in New York City, Upper West Side, Manhattan. We never really talk about this, but for people who aren't from the East Coast or have never really been in Manhattan, it is a it's a different lifestyle. 
you know, it's like very like, different. Right. So when people talk about like, oh, I have to carry a meter with me or, yeah. you know, yeah. you're, you're just running from building to building. You're like ants running from hills. And, and, and except in the middle, buses are trying to run you over. That's right. right. And you are, you know, when I leave for my day, depending on, you know, what my day looks like, I may be leaving with a big bag or maybe a backpack. Everyone does. So, you know, when I, I, I hear people talking about, you know, how am I going to carry my diabetes supplies? Um, when I leave the house, I have so much other stuff that I'm carrying with me that my diabetes supplies are really a, a small thing compared to everything else because I probably won't be home in between activities and, you know, you're running all over the place. So it's just a normal part of every day. Um, it's funny, you know, I think some of the women will appreciate this. I was <laughs> trying to get a little cross-body bag, which is what they call it, a little bag, you know, that mm -hmm. I could just kind of run around with and put my driver's license, a credit card, maybe some lipstick, and that's about it. But I'm thinking, you know, no, I've got to make sure I've got my pump, I've got to have my meter, I've got to have everything available. So it's like, there's always a little bit extra, more, more, and it's always there. And I think, too, just living in the city is, like, you know, yesterday's a great example. I, I had to run Arden to the salon right up the street from my house mm -hmm. and then she and kelly were going to go get their nails done they're going away this weekend and so i took her to the to the first stop i i guess i don't know she was getting her brows waxed i guess that's not bad to say right and <laughs> no. then and then i and and then we came home for a second and then she went to the next thing but in the city you don't pit stop back at your house you're like a nomad with that backpack like every yeah. everything you need for the day needs to be in there that's um, right. Yeah, it's it's just um, it's a different sort of interesting lifestyle that I don't think exists many other places. Right. How old were you when you were diagnosed? I was twenty five when I was diagnosed. Okay, and you were already an adult, and you were working in your profession now. Yeah, well, I was. Um, I was actually in graduate school when I was diagnosed, so I was an adult away from home on my own. So I've always been the only one in charge of my diabetes. Yeah. Uh, how long were you in grad school in, until uh, with diabetes? Oh boy, let's see. I think it was about my last year. So I would say you know, until about the age of, of 25. And uh, then I, you know, started working and um, moving about. So I'm, I'm involved in classical music. So I um, have always been working whatever job to kind of allow me to continue doing that. And I also own my own business. And so, um, yeah, I just started living in the real world, you know, um, with my diabetes after graduate school. And how did that go? Um, you know, I'm always so envious. The reason I came to you was because I saw the video of you and Arden on YouTube when she was just a little girl and you were administering um, shots and then also, I think, trying to get her to have a little bit of juice or something because she was very low. Okay. And I just look at that and I think, wow, I wish that for Christmas one year, somebody could just come and 
take over my pump and my Dexcom and just let me go about my day. You know, I wish I had that kind of care. It was amazing to see that. Um, But yeah, I was diagnosed as an adult. And I remember when I was diagnosed, they first thought it was type 2 because uh, I I must have been going through some kind of honeymoon period. Um, And also because of my age, the doctor at the time did not consider type 1. And and I remember someone suggesting to me based on my symptoms that maybe it could be type 1. And so, of course, I started reading uh, online and uh, I think went on some kind of a high-protein, low-carb diet just to <laughs> <laughs> combat whatever possibly could be going on in my, in my diet. So when I took my you know, fasting blood sugar uh, for uh, the, the lab studies, it wasn't incredibly high, but it was high enough that it was definitely within a diabetic range. So the doctors put me on oral medications to start with, and I had really good results. Again, I was still eating pretty low carb mm-hmm. at that time, just out of fear, trying to deal with what, what might be going on. Um, And then I started trying to go back to my normal lifestyle and the oral meds just really weren't working anymore. And it was a diabetes educator who said to me, I think you might have type one. So when I was initially diagnosed again, I was, I just happened to be visiting my family. Um, I came home from college visiting my family. They took me to the doctor. He said, we think that you have diabetes again thinking it was type two, we had planned a trip to Spain and we were leaving the next day. So he said, go to Spain, have fun, and let's deal with this when you get back. So <laughs> I'm in Spain crying the whole time. This is so much fun. <laughs> I really love this place. Oh, oh look, it's God. Spain. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So bad. Delightful advice. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Go to Spain. Forget I just told you you have a lifelong illness. Take some pictures and come home, and then we'll just work this all out later. That's, oh, that's great. No, he's a wonderful doctor, sure. but it was yeah. just, you know. And, and timing. And the food, you know, I was afraid to eat. I, I didn't know what to eat, you know. I'm just, oh, it was, mm-hmm. it was an interesting vacation. <laughs> uh, so anyway, like I said, as the months progressed, the oral meds just stopped working. Was it metformin you were taking? You know, Scott, I think that that was part of it. Mm -hmm. Um, But I remember something, something else, uh, kind of a 24 hour medication, whatever it was. I don't want to guess because I don't want to say it wrong, but I think metformin came along a little bit later. Okay. So, uh, so, I'm sorry. So this was based mo- mostly on just the fact of how old you were. Like they didn't want to believe yes. at that point that you could have type one because you were in your mid twenties. I don't even think it occurred to anyone. It's interesting. So yeah, when I was told I had diabetes, I thought it was type two. So I was trying to manage it through the oral medication, diet, exercise, all of those things. Yeah. And, um, like I said, what a diabetes educator said to me, I think that when you go back New York, you ought to have them look into type one. So I found an endocrinologist when I came to New York and he ran some lab studies and said, yeah, you know, it's, it's type one. 
and I was immediately put on insulin. What was uh, the time frame between when you first, when someone first said diabetes to you, when they said type one? How long were you doing the the oral meds and everything? I would say maybe four, five months. And you were probably honeymooning and you were eating low protein, so it sort yes. of was holding it together a little bit. Yeah, exactly, exactly. But, you know, the, the low-carb thing for me only lasted a short while, and it's like, okay, you know, at some point I need to begin to get back to my normal life. And yeah. so when I started incorporating, you know, just regular foods into my diet, it, it just became more difficult point, yeah. to manage with those oral medications so yeah well you know prior to insulin if you if you got type one they would just you'd pretty much go on a starvation diet and run around a lot trying to stay alive that's right yeah and you know that was another thing that i think because of um what i looked like at that time you know i think that at that time they were associating type two with you know overweight sedentary probably a little older um, that's what the doctors were saying to me. And so they were even baffled that I would have type two as they thought I had, because with the diagnosis of type one, Scott, I probably lost about 20 pounds. Yeah. So even the, even the overly simplistic visual cues for type two didn't apply to you. Right. right because, right. you know, he, he didn't really know me. I, he was not my family doctor. I was visiting my family and seeing a doctor that really didn't know me. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when you're young, you think you're invincible. I yeah. didn't really establish care with, with a primary doctor. So no one really would have known, hey, she lost 20 to 30 pounds. Maybe we ought to look into type one. No, especially in your, I mean, in your 20s. That's a time when you just, I mean, invincible is even too, it's too soft of a word. Yeah. I thought maybe, you know, I'm graduate school. I've yeah. got a little stress, you know, yeah, I'm not right. eating as much. So yeah, sure. I'm going to lose 20. Yeah, if I lost 20 pounds right now, I'd be like, finally, the universe is looking out for me. Do you know? Yeah. That's, it's so funny because, um, at the time I was so tired, so lethargic, mm-hmm. I was drinking, soda all day because I don't drink coffee, but I will drink a soda to give myself some caffeine. Yep. Now, of course, I was drinking regular soda at that <laughs> time, but why not? I'm so thin. It doesn't really matter. <laughs> you know, when I was growing up, my, my parents had friends and the, and the husband was like a rail skinny, real tall yeah. and real thin. And his wife was kind of round and chubby. And uh, she's alive in her 70s. He died 25 years ago from a heart attack and but he was always that guy like real skinny could eat a whole pizza was still real skinny yeah and and then always thought of his health as his weight which is interesting because there wasn't that much of a correlation and and it uh it ended up being the wrong way to think about it but it we do that i mean i would do that too yeah you know, I, th- I was so sick i've never been sicker but i thought wow i'm dropping all this weight this is fantastic <laughs> Hey, look, I'm. St- this is it. Look at me. It's Kelly's time. <laughs> it's my time. I'm about Why to get out I of so college. Tired? I'm going to jump into the real world, thinking about going up to Manhattan. I'm going to be thin <laughs> as a rail. This is beautiful. And so, no, I, I I'll work it out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. Right to plan. Uh, was <laughs> yeah, sure. Right then, really went great. Um, what was the first way they gave you to manage? Did you get like syringes, or what was the deal at that point? Guess what we have? A Dexcom G6 continuous glucose monitor. Just came the other day. 
Dexcom started their shipping with a thousand units. They went to people like, you know, me with the podcast and people like you who just saw them online saying, who wants to be first to give it a try? Now, if you didn't see that, don't worry. The rest of them are coming really, really soon. If you're a current G5 or G4 user and you'd like to go to G6, contact Dexcom today. Give them a call and be like, hey, yo, what's up? Uh, next time I am ready for a reorder, I want to move to G6 and they're going to help you do that. When you call, tell them, hey, I heard on the Juicebox podcast that the Dexcom G6 is like going to ship like any day now. Is that true? How do I get involved? But if you're not a Dexcom customer currently, but you're listening to us on the podcast, talk about using discontinuous glucose monitor that we love so much and you want to get started go to dexcom.com forward slash juice box and dexcom will help you get going right away now you may be thinking scott why do i need a dexcom continuous glucose monitor let me get in real close let's get real intimate let me explain it to you real real nice because you do it's fantastic it's amazing you want to be able to see your blood sugar where it's going how fast it's moving you want to be able to make treatment decisions uh yeah you do you want to be able to say hey my blood sugar's starting to fall i should maybe have a small snack hey my blood sugar's starting to go up maybe i could bump it with a little bit of insulin here and stop a high blood sugar later of course you want to see that you want to see the speed and direction that your blood sugar is moving in real time because it's an amazing way to manage your type 1 diabetes Oh my gosh, I almost forgot to tell you. Last week I said I was going to tell you about the share, and then I didn't. Now I'm going to do it again. All right, I'll extend the music. Hold on. All right, Dexcom, this is free bonus ad time. The share function on Dexcom means that you or a loved one can wear the Dexcom continuous glucose monitor while people you choose out in the world can follow your blood sugar on their Android or iPhone device. Now, come on. Wouldn't you like to know what your kid's blood sugar is right now, wherever they are? Or maybe you're an adult living alone who just wishes that somebody could have their back in a moment of emergency. You would have the freedom to set up a follower anywhere in the world, and you could set their alarms wherever you wanted to. Maybe you just want them to know when your blood sugar goes below 55 because you're hoping they could, I don't know, give you a call, throw you a text message. Hey, you all right? There are limitless ways to use the share function on the Dexcom. You will find the way that fits your life best. But trust me, it applies in some way to everybody. Go to Dexcom.com forward slash juice box to start today. And I hope you're as excited as I am about the newest version of Dexcom, the G6, which like I said, we've just started using. I'm going to have a pretty extensive review for you as soon as I can. But first, I got to absorb it, use it, make sure I understand what I'm telling you. I'm not just going to jump on here and be like, it's great, buy it, because I don't know. I don't know yet, but I'm hopeful. And what I see so far is really, really great. All right, let's get back to Kelly. What was the first way they gave you to manage? Did you get like syringes or what was the deal at that point? Yeah, I had the, um, I think the first insulin that I was on was the, um, oh gosh, what's the one with the peaks and the valleys? I don't know. Is it (laughs) Humalog, Novalog? No, the 24-hour insulin. Oh, geez. Um, Oh, okay. You were doing... Hmm. Regular and MPH? Yes. Yes. I okay. believe. Yes. Right. It yes. slipped out of my head and, for a minute. Yeah. So I had some peaks, I remember, throughout the day, but that was very short lived. Um, and then I went on something like a 24 hour, I think, like a Lantus or Levamir, and then I um, would just do regular mm-hmm. through the pens. 
It's interesting how it's changed so quickly. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Now, I remember yeah. when my friend was diagnosed when we were in our late teens, he was just like, well, I just have to take this shot in the morning and then at night before I eat dinner. And I was like, wow. that's it? And he's like, yeah, that's it. And I was like, oh, okay. And he wow. lost weight, too. So he was like, this is great. <laughs> yeah, I, I'd be curious to know the A1C results. Yeah, it wasn't good. Yeah. So, <laughs> but that's what he was told. Yeah, you course. know, and, and in your late teens, the doctor said, do this. It's already stressful. You're not looking to dig deeper. I think, exactly. I think I still see that now with people, right? That, that you do really, you want your life to be simple. Everyone yeah. does. It's, yeah. it's, it's obvious, right? And so if someone says, this will do it, but then there's a pause and in your mind you think, I don't think that's right. But they did say it was, so I'm just going to go with it. You, you, you know, like there's that go with it so that I don't have to think about it anymore feeling. Right. Uh, you know. And it's, it's so important, you know, for platforms like this because although you, you're saying, you know, I, I'm not giving advice or anything, you know, but you have to take control. I think anyone will tell you, you have to be your advocate. Yeah. You know, you have to read up, you've got to study, you've got to know what's happening with uh, diabetes technology, all of these things, because you may go to a doctor who promotes one pump over the other or one CGM over the other or one way of managing things. But if you go in with the information and say, I choose to do it this way, and no one can argue with the results when they see your numbers, then you know, I think that's the most beneficial thing that you can do, but you really have to take it into your own hands. Like you're always saying you can't wait three months for your next doctor's appointment to adjust your pump settings. I just talked to somebody on the phone yesterday and I said, look, you, you just have to bump them around yourself. Yeah. You, you can't, I mean, can you imagine it could take six to nine months to get it right? Right. And in that time, your blood sugar is high the entire time, or, or in this situation, it was her daughter. But I think that I think that you, you know, I, to go back to that idea of it's just, it isn't fair, right? To get diabetes isn't, it's not fair. It shouldn't be. It's not what you were expecting. It's not how you're planning. It's not how you were living prior to then. But mm. at this point now you have this part-time job that's really more of a full-time job. And, yes. you know, it's, it's a part-time job that you do from home. So you're really at it 24 hours a day. And, and, it's, oh, yeah. and, and you have to. You can't just say, well, this isn't what I wanted for my life, so I'm going to ignore it. That's... Yeah, that's what you do with a weed that grows in your backyard, but you don't have a way to cut it down. You just don't look at it. You're like that thing will die when it gets cold, and you, and you look away, you know. But this doesn't this doesn't go away ever. So to not take to not take an active role in it is it bends my mind a little bit. But but I think of it that way to go back to what you said earlier because I'm taking care of a person that I love. Yeah, it's not me. There are plenty of things with my health that I ignore all the time. You know, like I've been walking down the steps for the last week and my ankle clicks in a way that I'm pretty sure is not okay. And (laughs) so far, the way I've handled it was to think, that'll stop. Yeah, right. (laughs) Well, it does put things in perspective, though, right? Right, When other things come up and people say, I know this is going to be an inconvenience for you. And I'm thinking, you have no idea (laughs) what I deal with on a daily basis. This is nothing. Yeah, right. Thank you. I do like that when I see people freaking out around me. And I'm like, what's wrong? She's like, uh, the photographer we had for my son's uh, senior portraits backed out on us. I was like, oh, then this is throwing yeah. you into a, yeah. a tizzy, has it? Like, right. Call another right. one. Yeah. <laughs> there are a lot of things that – and I don't think anyone really knows it unless you are living with it or, or helping sure. someone else to uh, to live with it. There would be no way to know. 
Right. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay, so here we are. We're in the world, and we're working, and you see mm-hmm. business. You're involved in classical music. You have a lot of things going on. But you, but the first time you and I really started speaking, if I'm remembering correctly, and because I do literally no research for the podcast, I don't know for <laughs> sure. But if I'm remembering correctly, you were as an adult in your workplace not sharing with people that you had diabetes. Is that right? That's right. Yeah. When I um, would perform, right right around the time of my diagnosis, I shared it with some close people um, who were in business and also in, in classical music, you know, it's like, how do I handle this? Mm-hmm. Because even though I feel I have good control over it, somebody maybe should know <laughs> because God forbid something happen. Right. Um, I, I don't want to be isolated in this. And then I also, my mother hates this that I that I won't wear a bracelet or or something. I I have something um in case I'm ever in a situation that I feel it's important to put it on. But um Scott, I just don't ever want to be visibly ill. I hate to say that, but that's you know, I, I just want to go about my life. I don't want people saying, Oh, you know, what's that? Or what's wrong? Are you okay? Mm-hmm. Um, and that was always a struggle for me. So it was recommended to me, especially in music, that I just not talk about it. Okay. So I thought, okay, if I'm getting this advice from people that, that I know have my best interest in mind, it's probably correct. I should probably just keep it to myself. I wasn't in any way ashamed of it. You know, it's just, I, I didn't want to be treated special in any way. You know, I didn't want anyone to have to say, let's take a snack break for Kelly. <laughs> you know? No, I think I completely understand. I, I mean, it's, it's just, it's no different than anything else. You didn't want to be singled out or yeah, be treated yeah. any differently than anybody else. You're not looking for the focus to be on you all the time or for you to be a, uh, uh, an easy excuse if, if someone else needs it. Right. You know, cause you, you do run into those situations all the time. So the other day, um, Arden comes home, I don't think, and she says, uh, I don't think my science teacher understands the diabetes all that well. And I was like, mm-hmm. what's wrong? And she said, uh, so Arden needed to leave the room. Or no, I, I, you know what? Here's the exact scenario. Her blood sugar was drifting low, but it wasn't falling. And she was going to get on the bus soon and come home. And she always has a snack when she gets home. So I didn't want to overtreat this drift. And so I said to her, hey, are you in a room that you have, like, supplies in? And she always does. She's like, yeah. I said, have, like, a couple of, like, she has some candy aside. I think she had, like, I don't know, Mike and Ike's or gummy bears or something like that. I said, have a few of them. And so she gets up because she's allowed to move around the room for that stuff, walks over to the cabinet, looks in the cabinet. The teacher must have moved the stuff a little bit. And so she asks the teacher, hey, where's my bag with my candy and my juice? The woman says, oh, it's right here. Arden grabs, like, a few pieces of candy. She throws it in her mouth. Now the, now the teacher stops her. Are you okay? And, Ar- and Arden's like, yep, I'm good. Just going to, I just needed a couple of pieces of that candy and I'm going to go back to my desk now. Right. And now she was fixated on her. Aww. And so now 10 minutes later, she comes up to her and she's like, are you sure you're okay? And Arden's like, I'm, I'm really, I'm fine, but thank you. And right. then it goes a little further than the class ends. And she comes up to Arden and she goes, 
I knew something was wrong because you're pale. Uh, because oh you, you look pale. And I said, and Arden goes, I, I don't look pale. I don't. And I was like, you know, she's like, but I didn't know what to say. And I said, well, thank you. I appreciate you being concerned. And she left her alone. Then she comes home and tells me, I said, Arden, listen, you've never gotten pale once in relationship to your diabetes. This woman's now just, she's talking herself into seeing something. Yeah, of course. And, and it's out of a real concern. Like she's it not is. a bad person, you know, that's but right. look at all this that's going on around Arden that she doesn't want. And that's the stuff I'm assuming you were trying to avoid. Exactly. Especially in a performance situation. I'm, there's already so much else that I have to worry about. I don't want anyone worrying about me, right. you know, um, and in a way, because no, no one ever has worried about me. You know, my, my parents are very aware of what's going on, but they've never been responsible uh, for take, taking care of, of my diabetes. Yeah. So um, even when I'm visiting them, if, if something happens, if I have a low blood sugar, the Dexcom starts beeping or whatever, you know, no one's running over, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, are you okay? <laughs> like, you know, my dad's a physician actually. And so, you know, he'll just kind of look at me and he'll say, you need something, uh, you need to handle something, mm-hmm. something must be happening right now. He doesn't know the difference between the beeps, you know, two is this, four is that. He, he doesn't know. So. He said, Kelly, I checked the remote and the batteries are good in it. So I think, I you're, I think you're beeping and uh, do something yeah. about it, please. Well, isn't that, that must be, that must be incredibly difficult for them like you know what i mean like to have you have left the nest in a way and then for something so impactful to happen to you that they couldn't be involved in it must it must break their heart on some level like do, do you know what i mean like not being um, able to yeah. help or or yeah. i'm sure it's not really spoken about but i can imagine it from my perspective yeah it's it's interesting it really we talk about it because i talk about it mm-hmm. um you know i especially when i started listening to the podcast and, you know, I went to Friends for Life. I was like, you know, I am going to meet another type 1 diabetic person <laughs> or, or person with diabetes or whatever we want to be called now. Um, I am going to meet one. I will find one. I know there's another one out there. <laughs> because, you know, for many, many years, I was the only one I knew right. that had type 1. So um, that was quite that made quite an impression on me to go down to Florida and meet all of these people, especially, you know, the adults who were living with and have been living with for much longer than I have, Mm -hmm. you know, type one. And it's just, it's really, really amazing. But I remember when I initially got the diagnosis. Now, this was when they thought I was type two. My mother was in the room with me. And um, I just, being a kind of a dramatic person anyway, just burst into tears. And, you know, the poor doctors kind of got his hand on my shoulder, you know, like, it, it's okay. It's okay. <laughs> Is it? <laughs> yeah, I know. And then my mom, I've never seen her look more stoic. But in a way, I could also see, because I know her, she was fighting back tears. Right. But I think she was trying so hard to be strong for me yeah. to say, it's fine. We're just going to find a way to deal with this and, and we're going to move forward. Um, but I've never seen her on the edge of crying like that. Yeah. It's, it's a, it's not easy to describe that feeling that something happens to your kids that you can't help is, uh, yeah, it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's way past, uh, helpless. It, 
it feels uh, like soul crushing. Right. You know, it, it feels right. like, you know, it's, I'm, I'm way more than just somebody's parent, but at the core, if you made me cut things away from my life and only make me one thing, I would choose to be Arden and Cole's father. You, you, yeah. you know, it's just, it's a, it's a tough, it, it's a tough situation to be put into. All right, Omnipod, listen, you're just getting a regular length ad today, not like the super ad Dexcom got because they came out with something really cool and new. You get your dash out, I'm going to give you a nice long ad as well. But for today, you don't need long. You just need true. And you know what's true? Tubeless insulin pumping rocks. It is fantastic to be able to get your insulin when you want, where you want, without having to disconnect while you're swimming or showering or, you know, maybe being friendly with a friend. You don't have to disconnect for anything. You can keep your blood sugar right where you want it all of the time, constantly, without any nasty tubes running around in your clothing or hanging out of your sleeve. You don't have to take the pump and jam it in your bra or on your belt. It is not 1975. I don't want something hanging from my belt. This isn't chips. That ain't my radio. I don't know what that means. But I do know that the Omnipod is, without a doubt, the greatest insulin pump that I've ever seen. You can go to myomnipod.com forward slash juice box to get a free, no obligation demo. Now think about that. Ain't no cost, ain't no risk. You just give them a little bit of information about yourself. They'll send you out a demo pod. You can hold it, feel it, touch it, see what it's like. And then you can apply it to your body and wear it and get the full experience before you decide, you know what? That Scott guy was right on that juice box podcast. I should get the Omnipod myomnipod.com forward slash juicebox or the links in your show notes or the links at juiceboxpodcast.com. Start today. You will be very happy that you did. Friends for Life. You went to Friends for Life to find other people who have type 1 diabetes. Yeah. Uh, can you talk a little? We never really talk about that here, I guess. Um, I always assume one day I'll just do the podcast from there, but I never really, I don't know. I haven't worked towards that at all. But uh, is it, is it as trans, was it as transformational for you as other people describe it? Was it, is it just amazing to just settle into a place where these people are as natural and as free and comfortable as you feel in your own life, except now there's others around you? Yeah, it was um, interesting to see um, how how people live differently with this. Um, so adults that had, you know, I, I wear an Omnipod, and so I, I would see adults with an Omnipod on the back of their upper arm, you know, just hanging out, you know, it's, right. it's Orlando, it's hot, you, you're wearing short sleeves, and there's your Omnipod. It would never occur to me to have an Omnipod visible. You know, I'm always trying to find places where it can hide. Um, so I just thought that was so fascinating. And it's like, you know, you go to work like that. You, you, you go out in life. And I was so impressed, you know, that's, that's just amazing. Um, and just to be able to talk to people, I think that I was already doing things as far as the technology was concerned. There was nothing there. I tried a couple of other pumps when I was there, you know, they have, uh, 
demonstrations mm-hmm. for you. They'll let you take a pump for 24 hours or something just to wear with saline. And I did it. And, you know, I walked away kind of knowing nothing's going to take me away from my Omnipod. <laughs> That's so, delightful with all that you know, rubber tubing. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like I, I'm rolling around at night. I'm getting caught in stuff. I'm like, okay, this is not going to work for me. But um, it was good to try because I had talked to people who said, I can't understand how you could wear an Omnipod. Right. Why don't you try this or why don't you try that? So I wanted to see what it was about. But I, I like that there are things for every lifestyle. Everybody has different needs. And um, so that accommodated my needs best. You get to um, do that there. And, but just, yeah, meeting the people. I, I have people that I am still in contact with today that I met at Friends for Life. Um, and it's just nice to know that if I need to reach out or if they need to reach out, there's a whole community out there. And yeah. most of it I'm finding online now. There are the Facebook groups and or podcasts. You know, and you can really stay well informed and feel that you have a connection. I don't, I don't know how people do it otherwise. Because in real, you know, in real life, where are you gonna? I mean, how do you even have time for that, right? Like right. You know, now, now, not only is diabetes. I'm going to say something that's going to sound counterintuitive, but not only is diabetes taking up some of your time. But now I have to go to lunch with people who have type 1 diabetes or yeah. make special you know, movie trips. or I mean, not that that wouldn't be great at once in a while, but when you need that feeling of, I don't know if it's camaraderie or just not feeling alone, you, you, you need it You need it when you need it. You, you don't yeah. need it next Saturday at 11 o'clock in the morning. Like, right. you, you know, so it's great that it's available. It's amazing that you can click onto a Facebook page and be like, wow, everyone here has diabetes or knows somebody that does. It's yeah. just, it's immediately everything I say is understood. There's no, you know, the shorthand works now. I don't have to long explain things. Um, this is, this is, this is an amazing uh, thing to be surrounded with. And at the same time, you can walk away with it from it when you're done. Yeah, you that's know? right. And you said something earlier about seeing how people do things differently with diabetes. It is really, it is interesting that it's, we all do things differently in our lives, but most of it's not visible. Right. Like, I mean, I I can't, I don't know if I can think of something off of the top of my head, but you know, the, 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 the pattern that my day takes is the pattern that I've set up and your day probably takes a different pattern. And if we really watched you and I, you'd be like, wow, look, Kelly and Scott live very different lives. You you know what I mean? They, she she makes different decisions about this than he does and everything. But when it's the diabetes, when it's a pump or it's a CGM or it's you taking an injection, it's out in the open and you can really go, wow, that person does this. I never would have thought to do that. Right. And, and, and you kind of build your perspective. Um, and then you can adjust or, or, or do what you did and sit back and say, I'm really comfortable with what I'm doing. Yeah. Yeah. There was nothing that I needed to change. I, I was, oh, I think the most thrilling thing for me about Friends for Life was getting the updates on the artificial pancreas systems. Right. I think that was the most exciting thing that I wanted to hear. And, um, that was, you know, they, they had sessions and seminars and, and I loved all of that. Yeah, so cool. yeah, it's very cool. I have to, I mean, I just put up, you know, by the time this goes up, it'll be months ago, but I just put up, um, an, a new interview with the COO, the president of, um, of Omnipod. And she's talked about everything they have in their pipeline. And, and one of the things was their horizon system, which is their, yeah. and it's just, she's talking I'm like, this is great. You know, like it, I, this needs to be now, can this be now? And then, you know, well, after we do this and this and the FDA says, okay. And 
you know, like in, yeah. a, in a year or so. <laughs> you're like, it was oh, a okay. great interview. I, oh, I did heard you listen? That. That's well, it was very timely, of course, because of the, uh, is it Animus that, that closed? That, or was, that is closing? Yeah, that yeah. was dumb luck. If you are somebody who's listening to this now and listened to that back then, I was supposed to interview Shacy from Omnipod, I'm going to say two months ago, and through wow. a, a screw-up on my end, it didn't happen. And then when we, we just rescheduled it for when it fit again, and it happened to end up being like a handful of days after Animus said, we're not making insulin pumps anymore. So yeah, the timing of it just sort of worked out as far as the information being really kind of important in the moment, I guess. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I, you know, been reading about some of this and, you know, some of the blog posts that um, people have been putting up, you know, and how it's really important for us to have competition in Choices the marketplace yeah. Yeah. Of, of pump systems because, you know, I, somebody asked me, well, what would you do if, if they didn't make Omnipod anymore? Well, God, I don't know that I could go to a tubed pump. I think I might try to find a way to make MDI work again. That's interesting. No, I you think know? it is definitely one of those pieces of technology that it's difficult to, I'm trying, I don't, I'm not, I don't mean to be insulting if someone's wearing a tube pump, because if you're no, wearing it, it's working all. for you, it's wonderful, but mm -hmm. it's a walk back, right? You know, when people look at, at the Omnipod that wear a tube, what they think is, oh, it sticks up off my skin. I have something that's attached to me that's, you know, yeah. bigger, bigger than the thing I have attached to me now, which is, again, perspective. It's, you know, yeah. there's something something on your skin that's a little bigger or something on your skin that's smaller that runs around with 19 feet of tubing to something that's bigger. Like what's the, mm. something's attached to something somewhere. Yeah. You're not getting away from that with an insulin pump anytime soon. And, and so, you know, you know what I mean? But the lack of the tubing and the not disconnecting for activities and bathing and things like that to me is kind of like, I, I you know, I'll, well, you know, Arden's getting older now, but she'd get a shower and you kind of wander into hand or something. And this mm -hmm. pump is sticking on her, you know, wherever she's got it. And, and she doesn't know it's there. Yeah. Y you know, yeah, so. you forget about it. Yeah. I think there are a couple of times recently that I've noticed, oh, it would be nice to be able to detach like you can with a tubed pump. Um, but I think overall, this is working out best. And if I'm backstage doing a costume change or something that was that was my thing that was why I would never go on a pump because my endocrinologists were always telling me about the pumps with tubing and I said no 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 I'm not going and you know doing a costume change right. with this because then it's gonna I, I'm gonna have to explain it you know and with the Omnipod I just put on you know, a camisole and maybe some bike shorts or whatever. And I just wear that under my costume as most women are doing. Right. No one even knows it's there. And if I've got to do a public costume change, there's, there's nothing to worry about. You don't have to have those conversations still. Yeah. yeah. So I have a question. So you, I have a question. You, so you listen to the to show. Did you yeah. ever hear episode 71 called 14 going on 50 with a kid named Ian? Who I'm sure I did. Yes, is a is a is a student and an actor. Yes, the very mature young man. Yes, yes. Right. <laughs> hey, Ian, what's up? That was the best. Um, and so, and Ian was was his fear was if he let somebody know that he had type one diabetes in his performing life that they may just not let him have jobs. Yeah, absolutely. And do you ever think of that? 
Yeah, that, I mean, that was my initial thought, mm-hmm. you know. I mean, forget once you get the job how you're going to be treated. The question was, are you going to get the job? Do they understand enough about type 1 to know that you can do the job, you can do it well, you know, no one's going to have to stop the performance for me. You know, I will take care of this in such a way that it will be fine. And I don't know that everyone has that information. Um, oh, they so, don't. Yeah. Well, and yeah. rightfully so. We talked about it earlier. There's no right. real reason. There's no reason for, for them, them to know. Yeah. But there is, an, there is, and this is something I always, I feel badly when I see people get so upset about, oh, this person said something unfeeling or they didn't understand us and I'm really angry. I'm like, you can't, there's a thousand things about their life you don't know. You just, yeah. we're not talking about it. And it, they, you shouldn't be, listen, nobody should be saying anything stupid, but in a world where I'm pretty sure someone's going to say something stupid, yeah. <laughs> right? Um, where I'm pretty sure someone's going to say something stupid it's reasonable to think that they're going to say something stupid about your disease that you they don't know anything about. They're going to take some sort of what seems to them to be intellectual leap and they're going to make a mistake or they're going to rub you the wrong way or whatever yeah. that's going to be. In your regular life you can speak up and stop them, but in your but in the moment where you're performing and then somebody has to pick between you and a bunch of other people, that diabetes very well could look like just one more thing for them to worry about. Yeah, and, that's and, right. and so it is completely reasonable not to not to let them know. And at the same time, I'm I advocate on here all the time for just being completely open with it, and you know, then just landing wherever you fit. But if you're looking for a job, you can't you can't go to 35 performances to find the, the you know the 10 people who actually like what you do, then to find the one that doesn't you know think your diabetes might be a problem. That's yeah. like, that's untenable. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Ugh. Oh, but, it, you know, it hasn't been a problem, Scott. I mean, of course, I don't walk into an audition and say, hi, I'm Kelly with the type one. But um, <laughs> no, I, it, it's just never been a problem. And I, I find that, you know, when I am in performance, I will have a discussion with the stage manager. That's the person I usually go to and mm-hmm. say, look, this is my situation. Because, you know, oftentimes there are rules backstage, um, no eating in costume, um, no food beyond this point, you know, that kind of thing. And so before I get in trouble for, you know, having a snack or or taking a sip of juice and costume, I will say, you know, look, I have type one diabetes. I will then give a short explanation of what that means. Mm -hmm. And generally when I say insulin pump, their eyes get really big and it's like, okay, this is something more significant than I might have thought about diabetes. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I've never had anyone say to me, okay, so you're going to have to take your costume off before you have a sip of your juice. <laughs> you know, it's, it's just fine. It's, it's Why really... is Kelly naked in the corner in her camisole? <laughs> well, her blood sugar's low. <laughs> and she's not going to get a stain on that costume. <laughs> well, you know, it, it's funny. I, I've said this here a couple of times. Arden's played softball for the same bunch of guys forever. And as much as they would tell you they understand she has diabetes, they don't understand. <laughs> they just... Yeah. They're aware of it and they think they know something about it, but they really, they sort of don't. And so when you explain it to somebody, you know, you have the time to sit down and thoughtfully be clear about it with them. It's not a problem. Here, here's the thing you, you joked about. I don't come in the door and say, hey, I'm Kelly. I have type 1 diabetes. Yeah. <laughs> if you do that and someone is 
put off right away, be clear, they're probably not put off by the diabetes. They're probably put off by the fact that you're crazy. And so, (laughs) right, that you've launched into the room yelling about your disease. I have diabetes, and if you don't like it, and blah, 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 I'm going to have to do this. And they're probably like, oh, wow, I don't care about the diabetes. (laughs) It's you I don't like. And, and, And so that is... You can, I've had that feeling where I've been advocating for Arden at school. And I, I wrote about it at one point because I realized, I'm like, oh my, I sound like a lunatic. You, you know, I'm only saying the things that, that apply, but so much of it applies. And there's so many buzzwords and things they can't absorb. And I'm just saying them one after the other. I can't do this because, because I'm going to be the nut. I'm going to be the nut parent. They're not going to ever listen to me again. Yeah. You know, yeah. even though what I'm doing is not crazy, it feels like that to the other side. Right. You have to be well, cautious. And you've been living with it for so long. I mean, don't you find that even within the type one community, you might say something and, <clears throat> excuse me, if somebody's not familiar with it, then they may not even know the terminology. Sure. Oh, it happens. All the, I get notes all the time. You said this. What does that mean? Yeah. Right. And I'm yeah. like, okay. And I get it because... You know, I was just having this conversation, Kelly, last evening with um, with my person at Omnipod, who who my kind of my liaison for these ads mm-hmm. and things like that. And I said, you know, that the ti- the diabetes community online is like it's like shedding a snakeskin. And and she's like, what do you mean? And I said, new faces they come in and they last about six months, and then most of them go go. They've yeah. absorbed what they need and they're on their way, which I th- think of as being beautiful. Like, it's just, I came, I didn't know something. I know it now. I'm going to go back to my life. Some mm-hmm. people stay behind and try to dispense wisdom to the new people coming in. But for the most yeah. part, the bulk of the people are new and, and they're either lost and looking for answers or so new to diabetes, they don't even have time to know if they're lost yet. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Right? And those people are as as what's the word I'm looking for? Um, they are as a raw, they're as much of a raw nerve as they will ever be in their life with diabetes at that point. And the tiniest thing could send them over and think like, why are you speaking to me like this? Why would you say something? How come you can't be more feeling? And it, it is, I see it as being, is a kindness to sort of relax and excuse me, I'm getting a phone call. This is odd. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to go with the sorry, I can't talk right now button and see what happens there. Um, it's just a, it's a bad time for them and they need other people to be understanding of that, you know? And at the same time, some people take that anxiety and do a really weird thing with it. They, they don't, they lash out just a fascinating time in your life where nobody can really say anything to you. That's going to be comforting. And it is very easy to, to get upset about almost anything. So, right. Being around other people who understand you is maybe the most important part. It really is. And, you know, thank thank God for this online community. I, you know, I found the Omnipod online. I remember when my endocrinologist was telling me, I want you on a pump. And I said, no way. I'm not wearing, you know, one of the models that I saw. And I just started looking online. Surely there's something else. There's got to be something else. And then I saw this tubeless system. And I'm thinking, oh, you know, maybe I could do that. And mm-hmm. um, there was pushback because, you know, it wasn't something that the office was that familiar with. Yeah. But, um, you know, they were lot. great. It happens a lot. It happened to me and it's happened to 
countless other people where they just mm-hmm. they don't know what to say, so they start saying other things. Yeah, I just saw a person just the other day say, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to cause an, you know, anybody an argument here online, but my endo told me that you know, at, at six years old, it's not a proper time for my daughter to use an Omnipod, and I was like, what does that mean? Mm. Like that's a meaningless statement of you know, um, you know, too thin. I've I've heard them say you're too thin, you're too chubby, you're too this, you're too that. Yeah, you need your needs are this, they're that. It's all just, it's all nothingness. Yeah. You know, like it's just it's it's their hang up or their excuse because, like you said earlier, maybe they maybe the maybe the practice pushes another pump for some reason. Right. Maybe it's easier for them. You don't know what the reason is. Maybe they have a cable in the back that hooks to a Medtronic pump and downloads your information and they don't have the cable for the Omnipod PDM. They're like, well, you know, Medtronic's better. You don't know why people say yeah, what they say. Yeah, exactly, you know, exactly. It's, uh, there's a lot of different re- So always advocate for yourself and, and mm-hmm. do, do the research and, and be proactive. It's, it's, it's amazing advice, actually. Okay, so yeah. you said you, you're involved. Let's talk about you for a second. You said you're okay. involved in classical music. I, um, my favorite, here's something nobody knows about me, I guess. The unaccompanied cello is my favorite music to listen to. Just oh, really? a cello just by itself. That that is if you want to see me cry, take me somewhere where someone's playing a cello and then I will cry at some point. Aww. Because it hits me so uh incredibly uh just deeply. Um what do you do? What what is your when you say you're involved in classical music, what do you do? Can you be more specific? Yes, I, I'm a soprano. I sing opera. a wonderful young person right who who does your music for you the music for this podcast was written by um by a person who was nine years old when they wrote it and they, oh per- they performed it and recorded it and everything for me oh that's fantastic a, a i named, love that a girl named sydney yeah she did a great job i don't know if i've mentioned that in a long time uh when the podcast first started i could only kind of look into the world of diabetes to tell people hey i'm starting this thing and uh, her father, Rob, worked for works for Roche, and I had met mm-hmm. him a long time ago. And just a very musical family, and and I knew about his daughter. And I said, "Hey, do you think Sydney would be um, interested in doing this?" And he was just so excited. I was like, "I'm going to pay her." And he was like, "Oh, okay." And and she was just really thrilled. And I thought wow. she did a great job. And oh, I, she did I still absolutely. Love it. So sometimes you think about like, "Oh, I should change it," and I'm like, "No, I like this." So. You know, just sometimes you just want to change things for the sake of changing it, I guess. But I, I don't know. I don't think about that as often as I as I did in the beginning. Now I just yeah, think about. And you might lose some listeners if you open your podcast with opera. Uh, I don't know. You, you think that would just push people away <laughs> very quickly? Push people away. <laughs> would you do? Can I? I should I should get one of the ads and have you sing it. That'd be fantastic. That would be hilarious. <laughs> Only for me, for no one else. Like you said, hilarious. people would be like people would be like fast forwarding through it. I'm like, no, this is wonderful. Well, I, listen, I mean, you hear it in what like butter commercials, and you know. <laughs> <laughs> 
So do you, is most of your work on stage or do you, do you get that kind of work? Do you do, because uh, in Manhattan, there's a lot of opportunities to do. Yeah, there are a lot of opportunities. Now, my work is pretty much on stage. So it's really um, uh, staged operas, uh, concerts with orchestra or without, um, um, and recital kind of work. So it's, yeah, it's, it's all stage-based work. Do you, do you? I was going to ask if you find it fulfilling, but do you love it in a way that I wouldn't understand? Like, is it just a passion of yours or is it something you, like, how do you, how do you even realize you can sing opera, I guess is a great question. Well, I have a, yeah, that, that came about quite by accident. Um, I was taking voice lessons as a kid because I always wanted to sing. I remember I was going to a private religious school and I remember getting an assignment you know, what do you want to be when you grow up? Find a newspaper or magazine article and write a brief synopsis. I I was very young Mm -hmm. when all this was happening. And again, private religious, I found a picture of uh, Prince, may he rest in peace, and his uh, scantily clad uh, uh, backup singer. Was it Sheila E.? Who was that? I think it might have been Vanity and or Apollonia. There you go. Um, Thank you very much. So here I come to my private religious school. (laughs) By the way, Kelly, I'm going to cut you off. There's a strong possibility this episode is going to be called and or Apollonia. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. So what, what I love about, okay, I have to say to my parents, thank you, because I showed my mom, you know, I always showed my mom my homework and she was going to read through the the summary of, you know, what I wanted to mm-hmm. be when I was going to grow up. And so she called my father over. She said, uh, did you take a look at Kelly's assignment? <laughs> because they didn't want to break my spirit. Yeah. Because, of course, I didn't understand that there was anything inappropriate mm-hmm. about what I was doing. And I just knew I wanted to sing. You know, and I wanted to be on stage. And uh, my dad looked at it and he said, this is very well written. And he said, if you want to be a performer, then um, maybe we should make sure you learn how to play an instrument. And maybe we should get you some dance classes. And, you know, so he just encouraged the basics. And I started taking voice lessons. And when I took voice lessons, I was singing um, like Bette Midler and Whitney Houston and yeah. show tunes and, you know, things like that. And I think my mom came in on a lesson one time when I was, again, probably a young teenager. And I was singing, I think it was something by Whitney Houston that was probably inappropriate for uh, a teenager to be singing. Mm-hmm. And she said to the voice teacher, can we find something else for Kelly to sing you know, that's not so romantic in nature on the day for the day of the podcast. <laughs> you know, can we stick with something else? And um, shortly thereafter, I began singing art songs, which are, you know, classical music pieces, short selections. And, you know, school enrolled me in, in competitions and things. And it was like my own little thing that nobody else did. Yeah. And it was it was good. I, it kept me out of trouble. I so think your, for the most part. your parents' sense of propriety 
actually led you sort of towards the type of music you were saying. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. Probably. Yeah. And yeah. when your when your dad looked at that article, he looked at your mom and he was probably like, I think she wants to be a stripper. Look at this photo. <laughs> and, <you know. laughs> I wanted to you know what was funny was that I wanted to be Prince. You know, not not the two girls. I'm gonna go out on a limb and say we'd all like to be Prince. I know. Yeah. Except it, for right? except for the fear of getting a life saving surgery um because of his religion. Apparently is by the way, apparently what happened to him, he was in a great amount of pain because he wouldn't get a surgery because he didn't believe in it religiously. In the in the in the the idea of opening his body up. I've heard that. Isn't I've that heard, crazy? And I've heard that the you know, whatever overdose there may have been mm-hmm. could have been kind of quite an accidental addiction yeah, he, but who knows you know nobody listen, knows that aside i just want to say right now for the record if anything will save my life i'm up for it yeah. uh, and so that's yeah, but isn't you wanted to be prince that's great do you have a like I, a like tall purple shoes or something no, no 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 i just you know it was at that time um you know the music was really really big and um i just knew that i wanted to be a performer like he was okay and um you know you start taking voice lessons and i realized that number one my personality and number two my voice really aren't suited for pop music um listen if i could be beyonce i'd uh stop singing opera in, in a minute but like it's just that's just not what I do I don't think my personality would do well I don't think that I know vocally I don't think I would do well um and so you you really learn where, where you fit right where you fit yeah. you know what's my what's my genre and and that's classical music that's, that's what cool. I do that's excellent I I guess so opera doesn't get you a yacht is what you're saying. Uh, uh, it can, it I can. think, uh, or maybe it used to. You know, opera isn't in demand as much as it was even 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a time when I think probably the top 1% of opera singers were doing very well, and they probably still are. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, you do it at this point because you love it. Do you have any recordings uh, that... Um, yeah, there, there are uh, some things on... Line, I think, and um, I, I have some things that I use for auditions. I don't have a you know, like a an, a CD or something that I that I sell. We are coming up on an hour, so this has been very casual, and I was very careful not to talk too much because I got a scathing review that says I'm starting to talk too much on the podcast. Oh no! I said that's what the podcast is. You yeah, should have, you should have seen me. Here, this is going to go against the person who left the review. So <laughs> hold on tight, whoever you are. I'm, so I'm in my. I'm in. I'm, I'm first of all, joking aside, I like people. Like I don't. I don't feel badly about the review. She still said she really likes the podcast. She just said that I'm talking too much and and i i i don't have trouble with that i wrote a book i'm completely capable of hearing people hate what i do and i can keep moving i'm i'm not i'm not i'm not bothered by that you can't be if you're going to do stuff like this but i was in my you know, in my kitchen i said to my wife I'm like, can you believe this i said look at this and she's she's going on and i said she said she loves the information that comes from the podcast, but I'm talking too much. And I'm like, I'm waving my hands around. I'm like, the information comes from the talking. I said, I said, I can't, I can't. I, and I started getting all, <laughs> it's all like pretend agitated and messing around. And I said, isn't it interesting that 
that I've crossed some sort of a line for. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, she likes what she's hearing, and it's helpful to her, but I'm not delivering it to her the way she wants it delivered to her. And I thought, I can you imagine if I spent my time trying to fine-tune the podcast or anything I did in my life for everyone's desire? Absolutely right? not. There are too many people that are that are uh, enjoying it and learning from it. And I think, you know, not every medium is for every person. And so that's why we have lots of different podcasts and, you know, (laughs) lots of different people. I said, sometimes I don't talk very much at all. Sometimes, by the way, sometimes the guests will come on before we start recording and say, hey, I'm really nervous. So I talk more to try to help them get comfortable and, you know, kind of cover for them a little bit. I don't say that in the podcast because that would be rude. I, you know, and sometimes... There have been people, not very often, I have to say, like one doesn't pop to my mind right now, but I know it's happened where you, you ask somebody a question and their answers are very short and this is an hour. Do you know what I mean? Like something needs to be said. And so I start relating old stories or something like that, trying to get them to find, you know, whatever. Listen, here's my review of your review. There, there. What do you think of that? (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. The feedback was actually great. I thought about it for a while. I'm like, let me make sure I'm not, because I am chatty and we are from the Northeast, Kelly. I start talking. I get faster as I'm speaking. You know, I heard from a guy the other day from Texas and he was like, I'm just starting to get used to how fast you speak. Oh, wow. (laughs) Yeah, I guess it, it is, you know, it's very individual, but that's the great thing about the podcast is that you have all kinds of people on from all different walks of life experiencing their diabetes and all different kinds of ways. And, you know, we're going to find some people that we relate to a lot, some people not so much. And then some people, like I was saying earlier, and, you know, trying to hide things, you know, I'm much more open now, you know, again, not shouting down the street, I'm Kelly with the type one. But I, I mean, I'm learning that it's not such a big deal to live with this, you know, for other people to know that I'm li- living with this and it's a great time to educate. Good for you. And and you are having that feeling because of this community that you found all the oh, different Oh yeah, ways because you- of the community, because listening to the podcast and especially listening to the parents, you know, I mean, kids have no choice. They can't walk through school and pretend that they don't have mm-hmm. type one diabetes and, you know, discreetly just, you know, handle it on their own in a way that no one will ever notice. I mean, as discreet as you and Arden are and her not having to go to the nurse's office and all of that, people still must know. It just, it, it is what it is. And, um, as you're saying that I just texted Arden cause I need her to test her blood sugar. So yeah. she's sitting in a class right now and she's going to just pull her meter out or pull her PDM out and she's going to test right there at her desk. Yeah. You know, great. so, and it, it's, it's it's just unavoidable. Like she just she's been drifting down while we're talking, and I'm sort of hoping that maybe the dex comes off by a few points, and she's a little higher than it says, but she might not be. And then it stinks. We're gonna have to do a tiny correction 20 minutes before a pre bolus for lunch. But it is what it is, you know. So that's right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's just. Oh, it, it's a it's a really cool to hear you talk about it because you're not hiding and you're not, you know. You're not having a coming out party for your diabetes. But at no. the same time, you found a really great balance between the two of them. And it's not something that sounds like you're impacted adversely by in either direction. It's just it's, right. a, it's, a, it's where your comfort level lies. Exactly. Yeah. It's, it's, you know, different for everyone. This is where I'm comfortable. I mean, look, I'm speaking to you about it on a podcast. So at this point, you know, I'm not terribly worried about it. But um, it's, 
It's been fine. And, you know, thank God we have the technology because, you know, I'm by myself and I rely on the Dexcom to beep at night and I, you know, all of these things. And it's great that it's available. Yeah. No, I agree. Well, Kelly, these are the hardest episodes to end because we're just so conversational that it doesn't feel like there's an end point. So then I just have to be the one who yells, it's been an hour, get off. And uh, Time's up. <laughs> time's up. You're done. Uh, Kelly with the type 1 diabetes, uh, <laughs> thank you very much for coming on. I love that you sing opera. Um, and I can't wait for you to send me an MP3. Any MP3 you want. I don't have to play the whole thing, even if it's just a little clip. And I'll just meld it in somewhere in the podcast. Yeah, so, absolutely. So in here. If you don't want to, you know what? If you don't want to, keep that to yourself and just send it to me anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I'll get you something. I, it's my uh, it's my same advice for reviews, by the way. If you're really enjoying the podcast, leave a review. And if you're not, you're not Siskel and Ebert. Keep quiet. That's yeah. all. <laughs> Find another podcast. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm just, I'm mostly I'm kidding. But at some point, I'm, it's free, people. Just like, I don't know. I guess they were trying to be, don't you think they were probably trying to be like, I really like this podcast and I don't want it to get bad. <laughs> it could be, you know, maybe it was a, a listener who has been, you know, binge listening and, you know, just had a hit a, a couple conference. in a row where I was chatting. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, listen, you know, it's funny too. If you're listening right now to the podcast in real time, aside from the one recently with the, um, the Omnipod president, these are things I recorded three months ago. Like when somebody's listening to this, you know, you're going to be listening. My best guess is you're going to be listening to this in January or February. We did this in October, you, you know, because I can't be in a situation where I'm like, oh my gosh, the podcast has to go up. I quickly need to put one together. I don't ever want that to happen. So right. I record them ahead so that, so that they're always available. And, you know, we've made promises to people about advertising and things like that. And so I'm trying to be responsible, but my life changes too. You know what I mean? Like there are sure. times when I get on here and I'm tired and you speak more or you're doing a great job and I don't say as much or I think that it's more conversational and we go back and forth or it occurs to me to say something um, that takes five minutes to say because that's how I think. Mm -hmm. You know, like there's no, I, I'm not being long-winded because I like hearing myself talk. I have found over my 46 years that this is pretty much the best way I uh, I have to to relate something, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you one quick story and then I'll let you go. But my son was writing his essay for college yesterday and he's a, a very good technical writer. He is not a good creative writer. And this of course called for a little bit of both. And he finally said to me, yeah, can you look at it? And I looked and I read and I said, Hey, the parts where you're writing about this flow really well. You seem really comfortable when you're writing. And when you get to talking more about how you feel, it's getting clunky. I said, come sit with me and I'll show you how I would do it. Uh, he's like, well, explain it to me. And I said, I can't. Like, I, I genuinely, I don't know how to explain it to you. Yeah. You, you know, I said, but I can do it. You can watch me. I'll do it out loud so you can hear. And, mm -hmm. you know, and then just take from it what you will. And we sat down for, I know this is going to sound crazy, but I guess we sat down for about two hours and we wrote and edited and wrote and edited together until I started feeling him speaking words over my shoulder that I was thinking I was going to type. And wow. then I thought, okay, he's getting it. Like he figured out how to access that part of who he is and how to talk about it clearly. But I am not the person I've said it a million times here. I can't just give you instructions. I don't, I don't know how to do that. I, I believe that in my, at my core, I'm just a storyteller. So 
that's the way things work for me. It can be right. very, very frustrating at times because I sometimes have to tell the story to myself while I'm telling it to you. And, and the last paragraph I, I, I wrote for him as an example, I, I wrote the first sentence. And four or five sentences later, I was finished. And I told him, I said, would you believe if I told you that five minutes ago when I wrote the first sentence, I did not know what direction this paragraph was going to take, what I was trying to say with it, or, and I had no clue that what came up in the last sentence was ever going to come up. And I said, I know that might sound crazy to somebody like him, who's a good technical writer, who would plan out what he was going to say. I said, but I'm just accessing a different part of myself. So it just has to kind of flow out the way it flows out and not all of the words are valuable. So, you know, when I'm writing, I can go back and drop lines and cut things out and do things like that. But when I'm talking, you're going to have to listen to all the BS in the middle to get to the good part because that's all I got. So wow. that's, yeah. it. you know what I mean? It's just, it is what it is. But I, I, I do get that it could be, I, as I'm even thinking back on the last three minutes of me talking now, I'm like, God, I could get infuriated by that if it was somebody else. No, no, but you know what? People are attracted to podcasts and any kind of entertainment due to the personality of the host. So it's that same personality that brings people in. So if someone doesn't like it, then that's probably, you know, someone who, who maybe needs to, you know, find a, another, another host because that's just personal preference. But I don't think you need to stop being you because that's what brings us all in. That's how, that's part of how you care for your daughter so well. You know, it's, it's, it's all encompassing. So Kelly, I have been married to a woman named Kelly for 21 years and I am not comfortable with a person named Kelly being this kind to me. So we have to stop the (laughs) podcast right now. If you want to tell me that I'm doing something incorrectly or ask me why I have not in fact fixed the the pull in the rug, um, (laughs) Uh, that those are the sorts of things you should be directing at me right now. You've made me very <laughs> uncomfortable with your kindness, and, uh, and I, I have to stop now. <laughs> but no, seriously, you were very kind, and and I appreciate that because that is at my core how I feel about it. But yeah. it's tough when someone tells you the thing you feel like you're doing a good job with, you're not, and you're like, oh, I'm not. Oh, okay, and it's 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 an it, it like i said it doesn't crush me i'm not like thrown off by it I, I i can't imagine i would patently change what i was doing because of one voice there's a hundred other reviews on there and most of them are you know are different um but at the same time it does it does occur to me that it's important to stop and listen and and say this is someone's perspective and it, it's completely valid so maybe i talk too much and i don't know what to do about that so because yeah. uh, yeah. I, I can't I don't have any time to edit this thing down you, you people right. have no, no idea how much time it takes just to get it recorded and online um, it, it would be uh, you know when you listen to a professional podcast you know or the ones out of New York and at the end they're like I'm the host and this is my co-host and our editor was and this person did the sound and that's a, it's a lot of work you, you know mm-hmm. so I don't have that kind of uh, I don't have that kind of system going over here you know uh, but one day I don't know maybe one day well, yeah, and whenever you step out and try to do something, be prepared for that kind of criticism, as you as you know, you know. But I think it's it's better to step out and do it mm-hmm. than to not, because you're afraid of the criticism. Kelly, have we just by mistake drawn a parallel between what I was talking about and living with type one diabetes? I think, <laughs> I think we have. It could so, be. This is a great time to stop. I am going to say goodbye. Thank you so much, Scott. It was a pleasure.
Thank you so much, Kelly, for coming on the podcast and for sharing your music, which I'll play at the end again. Also, a huge thank you to Dexcom and to Omnipod for continuing to support the podcast with ads. Thank you to you guys for sharing the podcast with other people. Downloads grow every week. It is because you're sharing. Please keep doing that. Also, I just saw all the great new five-star ratings you guys left on iTunes and a couple of really great new reviews. Thank you very much. Did you know you can now leave reviews on Amazon? Do you know why you can do that? Because the Juicebox podcast is now available for Alexa. That's right. If you're an Alexa user, all you have to say is, Alexa, enable Juicebox podcast. After you've enabled the Juicebox podcast skill on your Alexa device, you can ask it to do all kinds of things. Play a new episode, subscribe, rewind two minutes, go back five episodes. It's really crazy. I'm sure you Alexa users know all about it. I don't have Alexa, so I'm not 100% on top of this. But what I've been hearing from people who do have Alexa, I think this is something that's really exciting. So hopefully, in your house, in your life, you'll be saying a lot of this. Alexa, tell Juicebox Podcast to play the newest episode. To find out more about Kelly Griffin, you can go to kellygriffinsoprano.com. Caro, un padre di Natale.